Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Ciela Hartanoff about changing organizational ecosystems and trends in the future of work. Ciela Hartanov, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Lovely to be here, John. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the San Francisco area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about changing organizational ecosystems and trends in the future of work. I'm super excited to explore all of this with you. As we get started, I just wanted to share Ciela's bio with everybody. Ciela Hartanov was part of the founding team of the Google School of Leaders and head of Next Practice Innovation and Strategy at Google, where she developed projects designed to shape the future of leadership and work. She currently runs Hum Collective, a boutique strategy and innovation firm that helps companies, executives, and teams make sense of forces shaping the future and prepare strategically. She has been featured speaker at a wide range of conferences from the House of Beautiful Business to the HR Leaders Forum in Australia. She has been quoted in Psychology Today and Forbes and is sought after for her thought leadership on the future of leadership and adaptable organizations. She brings a multidisciplinary view that leverages business foresight and organizational development to break barriers and invent the next practices for humane, kind, and responsive workplaces. I love that. Uh, What a wonderful background. It's a pleasure to have you. I also should note you are... Dr. Hartanov, uh, what is your doctorate in? Yes, culture and human behavior. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, it's a pleasure. And as we get started, would you like to just share a little bit about um, your book that's coming out soon around the nature of work and what it is, how, how your philosophy on how work needs to change over time and what that's going to look like? Yeah, great. Thank you for asking. And it's a great time to be talking about the book, especially in the context of what I consider the most important future of work advancement is chat GPT and the evolution that's likely to happen um, around AI in the context of that advancement. And my book is all about what I call reclaiming sensitivity. And everyone usually has one version of what sensitivity is, which is emotional acuity and emotional intelligence, which is absolutely essential. But when I talk about sensitivity, I'm talking about the wider way that we make sense 
of ourselves, our world, and the organization. And in the context of the advancements around AI, the only thing that we have go left going for us as human beings is this human <laughs> instrument. So this book and, and the work that I'm doing with organizations is how do we build out our muscles and our capacities to sense and respond to this change that's upon us. The change is going nowhere. We I, I say we're in the emergent era, meaning it's not just about complexity anymore. It's about these emergent, interconnected, interrelated environments that are colliding and sort of create these unexpected outcomes that we could never have predicted. So foresight is an interesting thing to be doing right now because colliding with the emergent era, scenario planning isn't what it used to be. So we just need to become better at, at sensing and understanding. And I think that requires us to use a broad set of how we understand our building our capacities need to change. Our organizational capacities need to mirror that. And then I even go as far as talking about the society that we're living inside so that, that these are a nest that really delivers the change we're looking for. Yeah, that, that foresight um, in scenario planning, like you said, in traditional strategic planning, you know, it's important, but it's hard. And, and the, the pace of change is just so rapid and then you have new technologies emerging constantly and in, in, in December we have the the unveiling of chat GPT and there are other companies waiting in the wings to release their own versions mm -hmm. and it's going to continue to, I mean early stage like you said is absolutely right I mean it's it's mind-boggling to think where things are going to be in five years from now or 10 years from now uh, we can prepare the best we can we can scenario plan um, but we just have to get better uh, I like how you talked about sensing. We just have to get better at just being present and sensing how things are uh, changing and adapting and being responsive uh, and and proactive about it um, so that we're not caught uh, simply um, trying to play catch up constantly to other organizations that are leading out. I absolutely agree, John. And this is what I call the trends. I think this is the major paradigm shift is the transition from the knowledge work era to the perceptual work era. And we, we've we been sitting inside the knowledge work era for a very long time where knowledge, expertise, deep understanding, objective truth has been our way to build organizations and understand what success looks like. And I'm not arguing that success hasn't been delivered. Of course it has. We've seen a lot um, that has been built on the back of knowledge as we understood it. But as you can see, as AI starts having knowledge and being more smart, what we need to do is also expand um, our perceptual skills, which is the backbone of sensitivity. How do I observe and notice? And we have a body that is very good at observing and noticing. And we're starting to see more and more research about the gut biome, which is basically this internal brain inside a different part of our body, inside of our gut, which actually signals and gives a lot of information to us. We have our emotion. We're learning more and more about how emotions actually are central in decision-making. And of course we have our cognition and our mindset. Um, and so we have these tools and building them out means you become a better perceptual worker. And that's what I'm arguing for in my book, but also what I think really is the future of work.
So how are you working with clients? Obviously you, you've written a book, you're getting your, your ideas out there um, in a variety of different ways, speaking, writing, et cetera, but you're working with clients around these issues all the time. How do you help your clients to be at the front end of this change rather than being the lagging, you know, mm. uh, years behind trying to play the catch up? Yeah. So there's, there's, Two main interventions that I help organizations work with. The one is just creating more awareness of the way we need to be. So I run a workshop around how to change your mind about change. And this is about building more agency and resilience in the face of change and considering what it would mean to take control of your mindset. And there's fascinating new cutting edge research coming out of lots of different places. The one that I follow a lot is uh, there's a lab at Stanford that really is showing that the way we make sense of something in our minds dictates what sort of happens. And we know this from the placebo effect in medicine, but this happens in all sorts of other ways, stress, um, we see this in the growth mindset research that how we understand failure can dictate how we behave. So I work with teams, individuals to help them understand that the notion that their mindset is really the leverage point to accepting and embracing change and being more resilient and adaptable. So that's one piece of work. The second piece of work is much more around the innovation and strategy work. So I run what I call a next practice innovation process, which is all about building an emergent strategy muscle. So it's an eight-week sprint where we go from understanding the trends understanding the the edge cases and what I'm looking for, or where are these early signals of something afoot? And this is not usually in your industry, and it's not usually um, even a place that you normally would look. So we look for these little pieces of signaling, because in emergence, there's always these pieces of signaling. Um, for instance, a good piece of signaling in the natural world um, is, for instance, when you start seeing a path being built, like in the park, where you start seeing footsteps that weren't meant, that wasn't actually where the path was. But if you're watching, you're starting to see that human beings are starting to go a different way. And eventually that'll become a full path. So we're also looking for this in business. Where are those early footsteps that eventually will become a full path? Then we work to strategize and understand what this means in the context of your organization. And then we ask you to run some experiments, do some big bets, if that makes sense. And this is a cyclical process. So strategy planning used to be um, much more long range. You would put a strategy down, it would stick. So that's why I run these in eight week sprints. So it's how do we continue to refresh and build this muscle and the other thing that I do in my work is make sure that the knowledge and how to do this is transferred so that it can live inside the organization and be, become part of the strategic planning muscle. Yeah. And I love just building that into the culture. And like you said, the the strategic planning muscle, just the, the way of being within the organization, it should be embedded, deeply embedded and integrated into what we're doing. It's not just a one-off, you know, let's do our once a year, once every three years strategic planning, you know, no, that, that there was a day and age where maybe that was sufficient. I, I don't think it probably ever was, but you know, that was the common practice, but we cannot do that anymore. It like has to be built in and integrated into everything we're doing on a regular basis. So I love how you're focusing on that. Um, tell us a little bit more about your perspective around ecosystems um, changing and what happens in organizations around these ecosystems and why that all matters, why we need to be paying attention to it. Yeah. 
So th there's two ways that I, th I think about ecosystems. One comes more from my background in, in culture and human behavior. Culture is built by human behavior, but it's also a collective endeavor. So I think it's really fascinating to look at the newer research and revelations really that are coming out of quantum theory, which is telling us more and more the nature of reality is that we are this interconnected energy fields. And that means that we're always colliding up against each other and there's there's less rigid boundaries around where I begin, Ciela, where you end, John, where an organization begins, where it ends. So what's happening inside the context of, of this sort of viewpoint, if you take it on and you say, this is, there's a sort of unified field, which is starting to be understood to be true. Like it's not science fiction. It's starting to be understood to be true. And we see how we built organizations to be these rigid entities we start to realize that this is a fundamental sort of wrong construction because it's fighting against the nature of how ecosystems are built and live, which is to be fluid, which to, is to move with one another. So if you think about industry, I'd like to, us to think about how do we break out of our understanding that there's a, a siloed organization and you're only responsible for this one piece of the organization. And if you get your strategy right and you get your barriers up right and you get your employment contracts right, then you're not going to be impacted by these external influences. Well, we know that's not true. Globalization has shown us that. COVID has shown us that. So this is a fundamental mindset shift around how we think about organizations as insular entities. They're not. So then that asks that bears the question, then how would you build your organization differently? We're colliding up against this heavily inside the, you know, the, the future of work in terms of employment with people wanting to work in other countries, wanting to work more remotely. And now we're we're running up against this idea around, well, what does it mean to have an employee contract inside the state of California, inside the United States, inside Portugal, where people are getting remote work visas? So you can start to see that there's this is not actually philosophical. This is starting to happen in real life. So the question I start asking then is if we if we have more of this view about the ecosystem model, how would you change? the way you think about employee experience, the way you think about building products, et cetera. So that's one piece of sort of the, the employee, the ecosystem itself is just fundamentally rethinking the nature of how organizations operate and are built. The second piece that I think about a lot lately is where does employee agency sit inside these ecosystems? In my background around human behavior, it was a multidisciplinary study. So I studied psychology, sociology, and anthropology. So if I'd only studied one and I was just a psychologist, what I would say is that we are individual entities and we're responsible for our agency and we're responsible for healing ourselves to become whole in this world. If I was a sociologist, I would just say, well, we are just a product of the environments that we are inside of. And if I'm an anthropologist, I would say, you know, there's a there's a history of how our cultures have been built and we're basically products of generations of culture and, and collaboration. So what if all those things were true all at once? It means that in, in terms of a, thinking about an ecosystem model of the future of work is that we need to look at ourselves as individuals and our, our own self-awareness, our own evolution, 
our own agency over how we want to think about our vocation. But it also means that we need to, we also need leaders who are able to to hold that in a new way and build the constructs in a different way. And we need organizations who realize that they're actually inside a wider nested system of the world around us. So this is where we actually start to get real changes when we realize it's all this nested system of how the future of work needs to operate. And right now what, what's happening is we're rubbing up against a lot of these things where we don't realize that it's actually integrated. And that's the trick is figuring out the integration. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, the challenge of traditional organizations and bureaucracies is that we have everything siloed. Uh, yeah. And so we have all these integrated and nested systems, as you were uh, mentioning. Um, the only way we can really recognize that and take a systems approach to our decision-making, our strategic planning, and our adaptability and evolution as an organization is if we can recognize it. Uh, and most people aren't very well suited for that. Like we're not trained well. Um, we're, we're, we're specialists within our silo and we often just don't see those interconnections. Um, I love your, your academic background. I'm, I'm a sociologist, uh, but a lot of social psychology and, and cultural anthropology mixed in there. So, you know, we're, we're both uh, of the same mind, I think. And I think interdisciplinary work and uh, the ability to integrate is, is, is one of the most important human capabilities uh, that's needed for the future of work for for the modern and future organization. And it's one that, frankly, I, I just don't see a lot of people really possessing well. And and in fact, those who tend to possess it, it because it hasn't been a skill set or capability that's been traditionally valued as much, uh, they haven't always been able to to progress um, to, the, yes. to the levels where they can um, provide the insights and the input to decision-making uh, that's happening within the organization. So that is going to have to adjust as well. Yeah, what we value needs to adjust. And that's the big question here around the future of work is well, what what do we value individually? What do we value as a collective? And how does that lead us to success? And what is what is success really too, right? Is it was part of the individual question that's being asked. But certainly in organizations, the way we understood building success, I think, is also coming up to to a question mark. Because um, you know, it's it it also relates to sort of this idea that more extraction is is better. And is that really the kind of societies and organizations that we want to build and, and leave for our children, frankly? Well, as we get close to wrapping up in the next five minutes or so, I'd love to just pick your brain about some of these trends. We've already kind of talked around some of them a little bit, but what do you see as some of the major trends for the future of work that you're paying attention to right now that you think others should be paying attention to? Yeah, it's funny you asked me that, John, because I just wrote my quarterly newsletter and what I said to it in it was, you know, I'm I'm writing this in February, not January, because... I'm I'm not jumping on the trend hype bandwagon because I feel like and this has always been the case in foresight. There's a lot of trend sort of hype that's happening. Here's what I'm paying more attention to, which which other 
futurists and foresight people may may question or argue with, but I'm more interested right now in the tensions because I think that that's where we're going to be able to make progress is the tensions. So here's what's emerging in terms of, and I'm more of a near futurist. I'm watching what's sort of emerging and happening now so we can take action. Um, so certainly there's a lot of futurists who are doing 20 years out, how will AI reshape? I'm, I'm wondering, how do we make progress now? So what I'm looking at are, are sort of the tensions that we're experiencing. So we're experiencing a economic tension right now with, are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? And really this recalibration, at least in the tech um, sector, which is where I spend a lot of my time, and that is up against this 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 piece around employees wanting to take back agency, wanting to have careers that look more expansive and have this portfolio career where you have a lot of different freelance opportunities. And this was really thriving, but this is going to be coming back up against the current economic situation. So what I'm interested in is looking at the in between, and where is the where is the equilibrium? going to come out because that's really going to shape the long run, the long path. Because right now we're in between these two states. Um, so that's part of what I'm interested in. This is this is how we sort of get what I said around that path in the park. This is what's going to lay the groundwork for the long-term path in the park around how much employee control we have, how much, um, how, how does that social, that contract between the organization employees sort of shift and change? The other thing that I'm paying heavy attention to also is this tension that is really fascinating to me, which is the uptick in this feeling of isolation and loneliness, um, the, the, no office place, no center place for people to go necessarily, this mental health crisis that we are seeing emerge. And so what I'm paying attention to around this, around the future of work is what role, if anything, does the organization continue to play in our community and, and basically social architecture? Or are we going to start seeing a different path laid here where people move to different places and actually go and build different types of community, almost like we used to have where the church was really important to us, right? So where and how are we going to make sense of ourselves socially as the organization and our and our feeling of mental unwellness starts to be exacerbated? So those are just two things that I'm paying attention to. There's a few others, but I think those are probably the most important things that will shape how work evolves. Yeah. And those are societal level kinds of things, right? <laughs> that yeah. uh, we we haven't figured out. Uh, certainly we're in the middle of, of it. We're building the plane while we're flying it and it's, it's messy. And the, and I, you, you've referred back to the tension again and again during the conversation today. Um, and so many people are not very comfortable in that tension. Uh, and I, I think we got to learn how to to live in the tension because that's, I think, the, the reality moving forward. I think so, too. And I just want to acknowledge that it's hard. <laughs> like, it's hard for every human being. I know I'm saying this, but certainly I am having to live in the tension and it's hard as well. So this is where we come back to ourselves and what do we have control over and where's our locus of control and getting back to that place of agency so that it's a place for us to move forward from. So that's the practical bit is how do you get back to your center 
And we know there's a lot of tools and practices to do that. So we're not spinning out of control. So we're, we have more emotional regulation. We understand our bodily cues sooner so that we don't get sick and we're working on our mindset. So it becomes more expansive. That's what's within our control and doable. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know the time and I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn, Ciela Hartanov. I'm also a reluctant Instagrammer at Ciela Rose. Um, and my website is humcollective.co. Um, and what is what is the book is not out yet. Um, but as it is, you'll see me posting about it. Of course, I'm in final iterations. And what's a final note? I, I want to reinforce for, for us in times of uncertainty and unknown is where the possibility lives. So if we can anchor on possibility, optimism, hope, that is our way through. That's beautifully said. And that really is the upside to the messiness and the unknown is you don't know what the limitations are. Like anything's possible. So let's lean into that. Um, I love the optimistic approach. Uh, I think we need more optimism in these challenging times. Thank you so much. It's a, been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out and get connected, find out more about what you can do for them. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.